Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned, right? So every single person in this world needs salvation. Through one man, if you've read through Genesis 1 through 3, through one man, Adam, sin enters the world. But the good news is, through one man, Christ, now salvation enters and anyone can be saved. If you've watched the news at all the past few weeks, <laughs> our world is raging. And honestly, we're just usually not used to it being this bad, but there are plenty of people who've never known anything but war. There are plenty of people who've know, never known anything but trying to survive that day for food. This world is broken. But we know that Christ has come to make all things new. And he has chosen to do that through us. It's not enough for us just to pray, God, do something about that. God, help that nation. God, heal this person. How many of you know that we are the hands and feet of Christ that go to those people, that speak words of life, that minister life? Those things are going to happen through us. As we pray, we also need to act, right? And James, James is your pastor. He says, listen, stop telling me about how much you believe about stuff. Start doing some of it. He says, don't tell me about your faith. Show me your faith, right? Both of these things need to be happening. Christ came through one man, Christ. Now salvation has entered the world. So in Genesis 1 through 3, man sins against God. Everything is broken, right? You can think about it in four major categories. Everything that gets broken. Our relationship to God gets broken in the fall of man in Genesis 1 through 3. Our relationship to nature gets broken. Nature isn't happy with us. You can see tsunamis and floods just this past week, right? Thousands and thousands of people died. Romans says that even creation is groaning for its day of redemption. What we did in sinning has put all creation under a curse. So we're divided from God. We're divided even from nature. Now sickness and death is in the world. We're divided in our relationship. Our relationship to each other gets broken. Immediately the man and the woman are blaming each other and angry and, right, fighting and... And the fourth category is within ourselves we're broken. The most damaging things that will get said to you will probably get said to you by yourself. Within ourselves, right? There's this cleaving that's happened. So all of these things are broken in the fall, but through Christ, he is making all things new. And through us, he's making all things new. So in all those different categories where you see brokenness, what is our job? Our job is restoration. Our job is reconciliation. When it comes to brokenness between man and God, we are ministers of reconciliation. We preach the good news that people could be reunited with God. When it comes to nature, how many of you know, like, it shouldn't be your religion? For some people, right, it's the religion that shouldn't be how it is for us, but how many of you know, like, God made us to rule and reign over the earth. We should actually care Three people are like, yes. The rest of you are like, are you saying that? No, I'm just saying we should be responsible people in partnering with Christ and making all things new. That's one big category, right? We should be partnering with Christ and bringing reconciliation between people. 
We should not be a part of the anger and the vitriol that we see in our culture. We should be ministers of reconciliation. There's genuine hurt and pain that people are experiencing. And it won't get better through hate. It's not going to solve the problem. Three of you agree. And I think four. Max is like, I'm, I'm the fourth. I'm in. And a lot of times you don't know what to say in situations or are afraid of saying the wrong thing. I think try. Just try. Because I think people need to hear truth, but they need to hear, uh, they need to hear reconciliation. And it should be coming from the church. It should be coming from the church. My husband and I, we went to um, the Virgin Islands for our honeymoon, St. John. I highly recommend it to anyone. It was super awesome. For a lot of reasons that I'll tell you about if you want to see a slideshow. But for today, let me just say, one thing that really struck us, though, about the island is there's great wealth, obviously, on the island. It's 85% national park, so there's not a whole lot of population there, which is part of what makes it really cool. But the population that is there that you can see is clearly very wealthy. Clearly very wealthy. Um, one thing that we noticed was um, the divide between black and white on the island. You know, like where the white people lived, it was super awesome, very nice. And then when we drove, we got, we rented a car one time, we drove back into roads that I don't think were totally roads. You know what I'm saying? We drove back in and we saw how the people who were serving the meals were living, which was a completely different story, completely different story. And it just kind of struck us like, man, this is like, we just hadn't seen anything that stark before. It was really um, shocking. Um, but what was awesome was the last day we were there, our ferry was leaving, but we hadn't been to church in like a week. And honestly, like when you've been raised right, you got, part of you is like, I can't miss one more week. I mean, with God's people, I don't even need to know them. I need to find a church somewhere and just go, just to be with God's people in his presence, you know? So uh, before we left the ferry, we thought, well, there's this Catholic church down the street. Um, and I kind of like, I kind of like those high services. Um, so we went to the Catholic church. I'm telling you, we walked in. And it was the only place on the island. It was packed. It was packed full. Like probably 200 people maybe. I mean, hundreds. It was, and I mean, it was like almost standing room only. We barely got a seat in the very back. Um, and it was like black and white and everyone together worshiping. Everyone sitting together. Everyone ministering. To, it was the coolest thing. Everyone playing worship together. It was like the only place in the island where it felt like there was light. Like there was life and there was reconciliation, and people actually, where those boundaries are being broken, that's what the church should look like. Where there's division, this is where division stops, right? Where there's brokenness and there's need for reconciliation, this should be the first place it's happening. It wasn't a totally great experience for us because we aren't Catholic, and evidently there's a, like, honor, like, they choose a couple to come and bring the elements of communion, which is a big deal. You bring it down to the priest and you offer it and you do like a whole thing. There's like a whole thing you're supposed to do with it. And for some, this guy comes to us in the back and he says, you two, come here. And we were like, oh, they know we're not Catholic. They're kicking us out. We didn't know what was happening. It seemed very, he was very stern. He was very stern. He said, come here. And then he handed me like some wine. And I was like, what? And he handed him and he said, Go. And so as everyone watched, we walked down the aisle. 
we're, we're looking around and we offer, we offer the priest that we're like, is this for you? Like <laughs> he had just preached on communion. He had just preached on communion. He said, now I don't want you sticking out your hand. This is the body of Christ. Like it was this whole thing about high communion and you will put your tongue out and I'll put it on your tongue and whatever. So we were, yeah. So he was like, you sent me some non-Catholics down the aisle with the elements Literally, we, we turned around, we were like, hey, thanks, and we left, like, whoop. But it was awesome. I mean, it was really cool in a way. But we did get found out in the end, and that did not feel like reconciliation. But the rest of it, the rest of it did. But we're ministers to reconcile. All of these things are divided and broken. Jesus is making all things new. Whatever got broken in the fall, we should be ministering reconciliation to those things. We should be ministering salvation to those things. Salvation, the word sozo, means to be made whole. Things should be getting made whole around us. Right? All these areas of brokenness. Everything gets broken in the fall. We are all born into brokenness through one man. Sin enters the world. We are all broken into it. And we have all gleefully participated in the treason. Every one of us have gleefully participated in the treason. And here's the deal. You have to allow God to come and bring wholeness to your life. As a believer, it's not enough just to say, I got saved of my sins, I repented, got saved of my sins, and stay in your brokenness. It's not enough just to say, oh, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven in the end. How many of you know eternity starts right now? Right now. We need Jesus to make us whole right now. Or we carry brokenness with us everywhere we go, and we bleed on a bunch of people who never hurt us. And people can't see the truth of the goodness of God. Because we remain broken. Now listen, I, how many of you know as you get closer to God, you find new levels of like things that need to get healed? So I'm not saying if there's stuff you're, I'm not saying you haven't done it right if you're working through stuff. What I'm saying is you've got to keep moving. Because we're not trying to be new creations. We are new creations in Christ. So when I discover something that doesn't look like him, I need to invite him into that place. Come and bring wholeness. Come and bring healing. Come and bring life. We don't get to sit in it. We live in a culture right now that wants us to sit in every single negative thing. How many of you feel that? Like, I have friends who've gone completely off the rails. Completely off the rails. They were, they were like on the straight and narrow, and they got stuck in a place. They got, I have friends who just recently have left their families, have, I mean, just completely like, throw, because they got so stuck in a place of brokenness or hurt or anger, and they would not allow God to come and heal them of it. How many of you know brokenness can become a companion? Because it starts to become familiar. The Bible talks about familiar spirits. How many of you know, like, you can't stay in the brokenness. There's no way that we can minister reconciliation if we are not allowing God to reconcile things within us. Now, some things are a journey, right? How many of you have, like, there's stuff God has, like, revealed or things you've realized, and you're like, oh, this needs to happen, and you were on a journey to see it happen. How many of you know not everything happens in the moment? Not everything, like you got prayer, now it's all done. Like sometimes that happens, awesome transformation, but some things you have to walk out and you know as you walk out, you chart a course that other people can follow behind you. Some of those journeys are incredibly important for who you need to be in this world. 
So I'm not saying despise the journey if you're on a journey. What I'm saying is you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. You don't have to teach a child how to sin and how to act out of brokenness. How many of you know they know how to do it without us teaching them? Because through one man sin entered the world and broke us all. And we can't be mad at Adam because we've all participated in it now. Um, I have a son who's not in the service right now. I won't name him. But his teacher had a report and he said, hey, um, there's this kind of very negative thing and I'm not sure what was happening with Dane. Maybe you can find out if this is true or not true. So uh, we had a talk with, oh, I said his name. <laughs> okay, now the cat's on the back. So this past, yeah, this past week, we sat down with Dane. Very serious. And if you know Dane, he's like super black and white, super intense, right? So he's like, this is a big one because we're sitting on your bed and you're both here and no one's laughing, right? So, um, so my husband is really skillful at this. I just close my mouth because I'll be like, did you die? Right? I'll just ruin it. My husband's super skillful. He's like, so Dane, what's the worst word you can think of? Like, what's the worst inappropriate, right? <laughs> and he gets this look on his face like, oh no, I've been found out. And he was like, poop? <laughs> Did someone tell you I said poop? And we were like, no. And he said, but? Did someone tell you I said but? I mean, <laughs> in his own little heart, he, has his, he knows the wrong he's done. He's like, did someone tell you I said but yesterday? You know, it's like, no, 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 no. It was clear that he was innocent of whatever other crime uh, might, have been, might have been hanging there. But in his own mind, he could think of the times where he has willfully been like, mom and dad aren't here. Poop! You know what I'm saying? Like, in his little heart, like this is the worst kind of sin he can think of. And when he's feeling rebellious, he does it. We didn't teach him that. We did not. We did not teach him that. Right? How many of you, uh, if, you've, if you've either cared for a baby or had a baby, there is this moment, Malcolm hasn't reached it yet, there's this moment, while they're still babies, where their cry moves from just need. Like, because babies cry is because they're wet or they're hungry. There's a need they have, right? There's a need. But there is a moment where that cry moves from need to, you're not making it fast enough. It was like sweet. It was like, oh, they're hungry. And then at a certain point before they could even talk, it moves to, you better move it, mom. <laughs> Why? Because we are born in this self-centered, no one teaches us that. It's how we're born. And how many of you know, as long as we stay in that place, there is no life. There is no peace. There is no fullness of joy. We can accumulate more stuff. We can get new carpet. <laughs> you can do all that stuff and you are still wanting because we were not made to be turned in on ourselves. 
We were made to walk with God and to rule and to reign with him. He said, go and subdue the earth. Our lives are meant to expand out, showing his goodness and his good rule and reign. When it's turned inward, it's miserable. All the happy faces are gone. And here's why the good news is good news. Because whatever bitterness you struggle with, you can't fix it. Whatever rage you have, you can't fix it. Whatever lust you have, you can't fix it. The sin and brokenness and pain that's been following you or me around, we can't fix it. You don't possess the power of life and death. I don't possess the power of life and death. I can't effectively kill things in me, and I can't resurrect things in me. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came at just the right time while we were still sinners. And through his death and his resurrection, he so thoroughly conquered sin that even the worst effect of sin, death, could not keep hold of him. I can't fix it. But the good news is he has already fixed it. If I will invite him in and say this life I've been hanging on to in my way and I'll be in charge, I am surrendering to you. I'm exchanging my life for your life. That's good news. And the good news is it's not just for a few people or good people. In fact, it's very clear you could never have been good enough to have ever earned it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Every single person in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Not in myself, not in my good works, not in what I can do. I am saved through placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe what he said and I receive it. How do I stay saved? By placing my faith in Jesus Christ. You said I'm a new creation. That's my new, that's my new standard. Listen, whatever, whatever standard you set is what you're going to hit. If you decide, well, everyone's broken, everyone's got stuff, everyone's got blah, then guess what? You're going to land there all the time in brokenness. If you say, I'm a new creation and I'm going to fight for that identity, I'm going to apprehend lies and crush them. I'm a new creation. I don't have to live in brokenness. For everyone has sinned and have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. 
this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith. I want to guarantee you right now that you have many, many neighbors who have no idea that if they wanted a relationship with God or they, they felt like I should get more spiritual or maybe there is a God, I should find out about that. I guarantee you, you have many, many, many neighbors who have no idea that they could be made right with God through faith. What do people do? Man, I should get more spiritual. Maybe I'll go to church. I should do more right things. I should give more money away. I should stop cussing around my children. <laughs> right? Is that our impulse? I'm made right with God by being a little better. You can't fix it. You can't fix it. You can't be made right through your own righteousness because we are unable to do it. We can only be made right with God through faith in Christ. And then he comes and he breaks the bondage of sin. So now we can live toward righteousness and not toward the flesh. This is really good news. We don't have the power of life and death in ourselves apart from Christ. We don't have the power to resurrect things or to kill sin in our life apart from Christ. But here's a cool thing, Romans 8. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those who believe. You can't fix it. I can't fix it, but guess what? When we surrender to him, what happens? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead comes and dwells within our bodies and empowers us. Now the power of death and life is within us. Now the power of resurrection is within us through Christ. As we partner with him, now we get to work out of his power. Ephesians 1, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the Church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Think about that. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, all authority has been given to him over all things, the things we can see and the things we can't see. And this is for the benefit of 
the church. Imagine if the church of Jesus Christ realized who she was in this time in history and began to really believe the things that Jesus said. All of them. There is no city that wouldn't have revival. There is no nation that wouldn't have great awakenings running through it. All authority has been given to him. 2 Corinthians 5. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Your coworker with bad breath. Your neighbor who constantly calls a city on you. The family member who completely undercuts you every chance they get. Come on. We regard no one now from a human perspective. Human perspective is, oh, you do this to me, I do this to you. That's where our whole culture is right now, right? You do this, I'll do We don't regard anyone now from a human perspective because we see spiritually what's happening. And we begin to ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How do you want to reconcile this person to yourself? And sometimes it's through their brokenness that's making your life hard that God will shine the brightest because you get to react to them and talk to them in ways that nobody has. And it shows the goodness of God. What good is light if it's not going to go shine in darkness? If we thought Christianity was about making our lives comfortable, then we'll be sorely disappointed because he's going to turn the light on and he's going to put you in darkness. And when light goes into darkness, what happens? There's adversity the light gets challenged. Things get difficult. We could all move to Bethel and just worship with Jesus culture all the time. We could all move to IHOP in Kansas City and just do 24-hour prayer like, this is awesome. At some point, light needs to go into darkness. And you have to know what he said, Jesus said, and the darkness will not overwhelm it. He wouldn't have to assure us of that if it didn't feel like it might sometimes. I don't know what challenges you have. I don't know the challenging people in your life, but we can no longer look at them from human standpoint. We have to look at them and say, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task now. Think about this. This is our job description of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, you and me, we are Christ's ambassadors to this world. And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin. 
so that to, to the offering of our sin to God, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we would be made right with God through Christ. That is good news. That is good news. When we think about what Nicole was leading us through, the work that needs to be done overseas, in our giving and our going, when we think about the stage that we feel like God has brought us to, where it's time not just for one and two people to join us who need Jesus, but for all of us. Come on, we don't, we've been taught enough. I'm not saying we don't need more teaching, but how many of you know we have tools? We have tools. Go raise the sick. Come on, go deliver the oppressed. Go preach the acceptable year of God's favor. We have the tools. You will never, you'll never read enough books to answer every question. You don't have to. Just point people to Jesus. People ask me all the time, well, what about this? What about that? I'm like, I don't know, but I know Jesus. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> like, that's what I know. Come on. We are ministers of reconciliation. You'll see um, on your seat, there's a little card. There's other cards in back. Like, I love my church, whatever. Um, this is just one more. Yeah. This is just one more way. If you want to take that, if you'll use, there's more of them. Um, even going through the drive-through. <laughs> if you leave a good tip, Ooh-oh. if you leave a bad tip, do not put our card in there. <laughs> how about this? Just don't leave a bad tip. But how many of you know, like, obviously through our own relationships, this is the best avenue. But how many of you know at some point we should just get crazy? We should just be like, I just want everyone I touch, like some kind of tool to say, God's doing something good. Like the guy who came last week. Never been in a church. How many of you know somebody at Burger King that you might hand this to is like, I'm done. I see no way forward. And they're like, hope, faith, courage? Probably not, but I'm willing to try anything. Come on. Come on. We forget how good the presence of God is because we become accustomed to it. He's so good. You forget what it's like to live without him when you've had him for so long. People are hungry, and if God has been preparing us, listen, this whole, like, all this that we've done in the building this year and that we're about to do in the building, it's not about the stuff. You know me. I'm a hippie chick at heart. I'd live in a commune. We'd sit on pillows in a barn. I don't care about any of that stuff. Why are we doing it? For stuff? No. It is time for us to recognize we are the ministers of reconciliation in this city and the surrounding areas. And it's time. It's time for us to do that. All those scriptures I just read, the goodness of God, how good he is to us. While we were still sinners, he came and rescued us. All the things that we can't fix, that we've tried to fix, and you finally realize you can't fix, he comes and he brings deliverance and he brings life. There are people hungry to know that's true, and no one's ever told them. The gospel is this. This is the gospel. That you and that I have been made right in God's sight, not by our efforts, and not by our works, and not by our skill, not because we do or don't do this or that. We were justified by the cross of Christ alone. This is the good news. This is the good news. Can't fix the bitterness. Can't fix the rage. Can't fix the lust. Can't fix the greed. Can't fix it. But he came at just the right time. And the wrath of God was poured upon him that was 
to be poured upon me because of my brokenness and the brokenness that I've done to others, the hurt I've inflicted. And Christ took that so that I could live a new life. And here's how you do it. There'll be folks here to pray with you. If you need prayer, if you need prayer for healing in your body, they can pray for that. Other needs, they can pray for that. But here's one thing they can pray for that I want everyone to know. If you're in here and you're like, I need that, I need that, I need my faith in Christ, I need that, come and pray with one of the folks that are here. There'll be folks here and here. Worship team, if you come on up, there'll be folks back in that alcove that can pray for you. This is the day of salvation for you. If you've been hanging around trying to figure out what I think about Jesus and something in your heart is like, you can feel him drawing you, here's how it often feels. Part of you feels like, I want whatever that is. And part of you feels like, when can we get out of this building? Right? There's like a fight that happens inside of you. I want to encourage you, win the fight. Win the fight. <laughs> win the fight. Come and pray with someone. They'll pray with you. They'll walk you through it. God is good. This is the message that we need to take with us. This is the good news. Christ has already come and done the work. Surrender to it. Believe what he said. Repent of your sins and turn to God. And now new life will come and dwell within you. Now the spirit that raised him from the dead will come and dwell within you. This is why Paul says we don't boast in anything but the cross of Christ. It's in the cross of Christ that we boast. That's where our freedom came from, his death and his resurrection. We don't boast in our good works. We don't boast in ourselves. We boast in him. And who are we boasting to? People who don't know him yet. People who need him. Boast of him this week. Boast of him. Tell people what he's done for you. Tell people of his goodness. Tell them how he healed you. Tell them how he saved you. Tell them how he knows your name, the ways he has shown you that he knows your name. Amen. Would you stand? Prayer team, come on up. We're going to take some time to worship and respond. And the service has been very unusual for us. But can we take just a few minutes to respond to what God is speaking and stirring up? There might be some names on your heart you want to call out to him right now. People who you know need to encounter his goodness. Do it.